0: Have I told you the one about the giraffe yet? No. Ah, uh, never mind. It'll go over your head. Mm. Welcome once again to a Face for Wrestling podcast. I am your hostess with the mostess, the Matt. Joined as ever by the hostess with the hostess who loves snack cakes
1: because it's fat, the Waldo. Can't see me shaking my head, but I am.
0: Oh, I knew you'd shake your head. <laughs>
1: And all them chins will be rolling as you do so. What's going on, Matt? Not much. How's the weather over there in Iceland? It's actually not that bad right now. I have had what you might call a masterful day.
0: A masterful day? Like the maestro?
1: Not quite. A little bit
0: different. You're not a piano-playing wrestler from the 90s? (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) You're missing out, man. And as always, let's not forget our third and most important host, Dr. Brian. Doctor? Doctor. So Matt, we have some house cleaning to do since our last episode. Do we? The day after our, 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 our revolution, a group on Reddit sent Triple H a fruit basket as a token of appreciation. As they should. This was the first, and it's a trend that's still ongoing today. Really? I hope they send a paper bag of shit after this show, though.
0: Do they only send it for good shows, or do they do it every show?
1: I hope that trend stopped right after this show for a little bit. Yeah, it definitely didn't need a fruit basket for this one. Here we are, 11 February 2015 at Full Sail University Arena for NXT TakeOver Rival. So we started off before the pre-show with a dark match tonight. It was Enzo and Cass versus the Bod Villains. And trust me, I looked this up and I can't find it. We may have actually dodged a bullet on this one.
0: That's not a match I would have wanted to see.
1: So for the pre-show,
0: we have a panel of Renee Young, Byron Saxton, Corey Graves, and Albert once again. Really a whole lot of nothing in the pre-show. Just the same promo packages we'll get later in the show. The only thing of note was they announced the Hideo Itami and Tyler Breeze match during the pre-show. So it was not uh, an announced match for this show until the pre-show. That was it. That's it. They did some fan interviews, which I'm kind of a fan of when, you know, they poll the audience to see who they want to win. But yeah, nothing worth watching. It was 30 minutes of let's try to analyze this stuff.
1: We immediately start off with no horsing around, go straight to a promo package going over NXT being the future and a quick rundown of the card and the rivalries tonight. I have my first
0: discussion question here for you. OK, is it necessary to show a highlight package for the show you're about to watch? Like, you've already tuned in. Do you
1: really need it to tell you to tune in? I can see this both ways. I mean, because it's being shown inside on the big screen, so it's kind of giving the audience a, a hype package. getting Like a little fire- warmer? Yeah, getting them fired up for what's coming tonight. Okay, I can see that. I didn't think about that. I've always found that a little odd. So we're not quite done playing musical chairs with the announcers yet. Uh, as soon as we get done with the promo package, we go straight to Rich Brenham, Corey Graves, and 8-foot-tall Albert. He is a big man. I've always been a fan of Albert.
0: He's had some terrible gimmicks in his past. But I like the guy. He looks like a Mafia Don, dude. He does, but a Mafia Don that doesn't know how to be mad or sad. He just always looks happy.
1: I don't think with his appearance tonight that he's going to let anything stupid happen in that announcer's booth. (laughs) Oh, no, no. We'll definitely get into
0: that some more. He was not one to be talked over at all.
1: As they're paying the crowd right after they show the announce booth, we have a couple of signs tonight. And the first one that I noticed was brass ring 316. I was like, stop. Wait a minute. Is this when I think it is? Yes, this is right when Vince McMahon came out and started talking about you got to grab the brass ring crap. I don't disagree with McMahon talking about grabbing the brass room, but it's it's like that little
0: Geico commercial where the guy's got the fishing pole and he won't let the person have the money. Oh, you almost had
1: it. you got to be quicker than that.
0: So yeah, just picture Vince McMahon as that little old man holding that brass room.
1: Very diverse crowd tonight, and it looks like a wrestling crowd from the 80s. Yeah, it
0: was it was full of all ages, men's, women's,
1: children's. It was a good crowd. Cut over to Hideo Itami and Tyler Breeze for the first match tonight. They show the announced team again, and it still amazes me how tall Albert is over the rest of them. Yeah, that is a big man. Hideo Itami, man.
0: He needs a better entrance. He needs something.
1: As they're coming out, we cut to an interview segment from last week during a tournament.
0: Yeah, we'll get into this tournament throughout the night. We get a package that shows, as we talked about last episode, Balor buried Hideo again in this tournament. Wrong place, wrong time for Hideo, man. But it goes over that there was a tournament. Hideo was knocked out of the tournament by Finn Balor, which pissed off Tyler Breeze, who had been knocked out of the tournament by Hideo. So while Hideo was doing a backstage interview, Tyler Breeze shows up, bum rushes him into a locker and starts kicking the shit out of him. Talking about, this is your fault. I could have beat Balor. I could have beat him. I could have beat him decent little setup for a match tyler comes out and he has his selfie stick finally he does and jason albert had no clue what it was
1: (laughs) some chick jumps all over breeze on the ramp i mean it's an obvious plant but it was a cool spot Uh, yeah it was a really cool spot i tried to she didn't look
0: familiar but i was trying to find out if maybe they had something on who the fan was and couldn't find anything but it really was a cool spot for tyler breeze I just I'm not a huge fan of this kind of plant stuff typically because then you know next week what's to stop somebody else from jumping the barricade that's a real fan but it works for this gimmick it works for this character
1: yeah I think he played it off
0: perfectly yeah he he no sold it and kept looking at himself in the selfie stick
1: the bell rings and Tommy chases Breeze around uh, the ring for a little bit and Breeze tries to hide behind the ref.
0: Yeah, so good. He is such a good heel.
1: Bree sneaks in a kick as he scoots the ref out of the way, works over Atami in the corner for a little bit, and we get some back and forth until Atami hits a knee to the chest as he bounces off the ropes. Yeah, about this time we started also getting some
0: TKO chants. I assume that's what he calls his version of the go to sleep. Yeah.
1: Okay. Brenham, he's a little off tonight because when Atami did that bounce off the ropes and he hit Breeze square in the chest, I mean the upper chest, and for some reason Brenham calls it a midsection.
0: I mean, it wasn't the face or legs, so technically I guess it could be the midsection. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I have some notes for the announcers on this, and we're going to get more into the announcers as we go on. They're not bad, they're not good, but they are serving their purpose
1: at this point. Breeze dumps outside and Atami works the crowd in the ring, and he's not... Bad at it. He's just not good at it. Yeah, he's he's got no charisma. Tommy goes after him. Breeze runs around the corner and goes back in to try and WCW him. You got somebody dumps out of the ring. They run around a little bit. Somebody's chasing him. Well, the first guy goes back in. As the second guy comes in under the ropes, the first guy's there to put the boots to him. Very WCW. But Atami dodges it, hits the ropes, and hits Breeze with a single leg dropkick as Breeze was going for a crossbody. Yeah, I just have that that was, it was weird. It just didn't quite mesh right. Atami hits some body kicks, goes for a kick in the corner, but Breeze rolls out onto the apron to dodge. As Tommy is pulling Breeze back in, he tries to hit a shoulder to the gut through the ropes, but this time Tommy dodges it and kicks Breeze in the chest. Atami goes to bring Breeze back in, but Breeze, playing possum, trips Atami and hits his leg on the apron. A ref stoppage to check in on a Tommy, And I'm. this starts to get overused, not tonight, but later on. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of these ref stoppages, man. No, and we're definitely going to
0: get into this later on. Not spoiling, but yeah, we'll definitely get into that for later on.
1: Breeze goes to focus on the legs.
0: I thought this was weird. Every match we've seen with him so far, he's got two finishing moves. One is the beauty shot, which is a kick to the face. The other one is the model kick, which is a kick to the face. Why is he working the legs exactly?
1: I'm not really sure. We do transition to a good spot with the Tommy's legs around the ring post to set up a ring post for the announcers are doing a great job of selling what's going on in the ring and explaining how Breeze is within the rules, even though he's a heel.
0: They're, they're putting over Tyler Breeze, and Tyler Breeze is working this match excellently. I've thought in the past that he's been carried in some of his matches, but he seems to be the workhorse of this one.
1: Both of them back inside, and Breeze gets a Tommy in for a sharpshooter. So there you go. He He's working legs for a sharpshooter.
0: Is this the weird submission that no one names? Yes, this is. <laughs> I have, it's a figure four sharpshooter, but with no leg intertwined. I thought when this first started, this was a botch. I did too, but it looked good. I
1: just don't know how effective it would actually be. Tommy makes the ropes, but holds it until the ref almost hits five. As Breeze is working over Tommy, he quickly gets him up for a GTS, but Breeze escapes and rolls Tommy up for a two count. And right mm-hmm. here, the crowd went from eh all the way through the match to they were blowing the roof off. Tyler Breeze has been close to the top of the mountain. He knows what it's like to be in the NXT. Oh, okay.
0: I guess that's the pull, the draw of a Hideo Itami. It's not so much that he's charismatic. The fans just want to see him do this move.
1: Well, they don't get it right here because up from two, Itami hits a decent kick to Breeze, but Breeze responds quickly with a better-looking supermodel kick and only gets a two count. And this brings us
0: to discussion question number two. Okay. Because he kicked him right in the side of the face. Yeah. Do you think you're allowed to work a little snugger with Japanese wrestlers due to that whole strong style they have going on? Because you see this a lot in Japanese wrestling. Where Okay, I'm
1: going to kick you in the face, and to make it look real, I'm going to kick you in the face. I will support your hypothesis here and add a little twist to it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily Japanese ethnicity of the wrestler. No, no, I meant Japanese, like, people
0: who have worked in Japan.
1: There you go. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, sorry, sorry. There's one in particular in AEW right now, Miss B. She's stiff.
0: (laughs) She'll kick a concussion into you. Yeah,
1: no, I just meant
0: people who have spent most of their time in Japan as wrestlers. I guess my question is, do you work snugger with them, or do they, like, approach
1: you wanting you to work snug with them? From what I've seen in my years of watching wrestling, when you have two Japanese-trained wrestlers going at it, it does look more snug. But I think that they're more good at it, of making it look that snug. Whereas when you have a Japanese-trained and an American-trained wrestler in the ring, that's when you start getting problems arising out of the match. Like when B kicked the dog shit out of uh, the dentist. Mm Mm-hmm. That wasn't really anybody's fault, except for the fact that they booked them two together without having any kind of work previous to that. Fair enough. American wrestlers go in the ring with a Japanese-trained wrestler thinking, oh, they're just more snug, and they start getting stiff with them. Gotcha. And that's not it at all, where you just have to be better at what you do. That makes sense. But B wasn't putting up with that shit from the doc anyway and just horse kicked the shit out of her. Yeah, it's not how I would want to go down. She's back, by the way. The dentist, yeah, she didn't stay out long. I bet she won't be fucking with B again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry on that sidetrack. Back to the match. We have, the crowd is behind both of these guys. We got 50-50 chance for both Hideo and Tyler, and the crowd is hot
1: at this point. The announcers kind of cut away from what's going on in the match, but they're still focused on the match, and they say that Breeze has been using the twatter to escalate the feud. They have a quote here, they accused Tommy of running away from Japan because it was too stiff over there. I have a question for you about this, though. Yes. Was Breeze the first WWE talent to carry a feud over the twatter? And did it well, start a trend?
0: I, I'm not sure on this. I did notice last episode was the Fatal 4 right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. At the beginning of that show, I meant to point out, but I forgot. They talked about how Tyler Breeze was already trending on Twitter. I don't know if he was the first, but he's definitely taken it to that level of, in the last show, he was he was trending before his match even happened. In this one, he's got the feud going on. He knows how to use Twitter to his advantage.
1: And with this character, it's what he should be doing. You know who else knows how to use Twitter to their advantage? Who's that? Face for Wrestling, at Face for Wrestling, with the number four. Drop us a line. As Breeze gets up to hit some more punches, Atami's Hulk meter must have just filled up.
0: And now we know why Hulk was the one who announced him in the WWE. Had to have been. Because he starts hulking up like a
1: boss. Atami gets up and hits some combos and sets Breeze up in the corner.
0: Even before this, I want to give some props out to Tyler Breeze here. He sold all of this beautifully. There's more wrestlers out there needed to watch Tyler Breeze matches and learn how to sell
1: properly. Breeze falls back onto the ropes and Tommy uses it to his advantage to hit some more body kicks. The ref breaks it up and Breeze falls to his knees. Tommy hits some more stiff kicks while the ref is breaking this up. Is, was this the first spot where the ref actually came in and dragged somebody off? Uh, it's the first one that's been super noticeable. I don't know that it is the first one, but it's definitely it was definitely noticeable in this one. Breeze falls back in the corner, and Tommy hits a drop kick to Breeze's face with Grave shouting in the background. Not the face, not the face. So good. Tommy throws Breeze into the ropes again and hits a kick straight to the face and gets the three in eight twelve. Yeah, I think they call this the shotgun kick. It's a nice move. So throughout the match, we had a couple of teases of the GTS. And I think this will be the running gag for a little bit for a Tommy as long as he's healthy. Oh yeah. No spoilers. Like you said, they're just not letting him do it right now, and I think that's a good thing in the sense that the actual teasing of it actually builds the hype right now.
0: Yeah, and it it puts the crowd on their feet. It gets them in, not to disparage the rest of this match. It It was actually a really good opening match between both men, but it's
1: something you can do if there's ever dead space in a match to hype the crowd up again real quick. Up until the last minute of this match, it looked like a squash to put Breeze over. Mm -hmm. And I didn't expect that because I thought the story right now was building up Hideo to actually be this kind of sawed-off monster in NXT.
0: Yeah, but I think there's still a lot of hope for Tyler Breeze. They don't want to make Tyler Breeze look too bad because he is their, I won't say necessarily their number one heel, but he's definitely up there. He's like the gatekeeper hill at this point. So you don't want to totally discredit him. They might've given him a little too much in this match. Cut away to Lord Regal, Kevin Owens, and Confused Ref. Lord Regal is disappointed. Yeah, I have no, Regal babysits Owens. The announcers talk about how Regal's there because they're trying to keep Owens and Sammy separated before the match. And he's just got this look
1: of disappointment on Kevin Owens as Kevin Owens completely ignores it. Back in the arena, Bull chants over the PA system, with crowd shots of no one chanting. Bull chants over the arena, sighs on my couch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. comes out with no charisma and goes straight to the ring. Just... Just walks down to the ring. Just does nothing. Down. Not
0: only is he looking like Chumley, he's also looking like the love child of Taz and Rhino on this episode, man.
1: Uh, we cut back to a flashback from last week.
0: We we get the buildup for this match. During the tournament, as we talked about, the number one contenders tournament that's currently going on and will be finished on this show, Corbin defeated Bull in the first round. So when Corbin was in his second round match against Adrian Neville, Bull interfered, causing Baron Corbin to lose, which was his actual first loss since he's had this whole gimmick going on, which set up this match, and apparently he's also lost to him another time before this. So Bull's whole gimmick is, I couldn't beat you twice because they wouldn't let me do what I wanted to do. So this time, no disqualification, and I can beat you. Uh,
1: tan rep sighting, real quick. He is looking mighty tan. He's been hitting that tanning bed. Corbin runs out and Tanref stops him to signal the bell. Then Corbin can rush Chumley.
0: I, I had a question on this too. Baron Corbin came out in a t-shirt. He didn't do his entrance. This is how you should do a no DQ match, right? It, he made it feel personal.
1: Sure. For the yeah, for like, what we were about to go into. Sure. I said Baron's trying. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> Baron's trying. Nobody else is. Chumley stands there watching this happen and then gets battered. He just. Staring straight at Corbin, getting stopped by TanRef. The bell rings, keep staring at Corbin. Corbin comes over, beats the shit out of him. Yeah, the ref's bad enough to stop Baron, but Bull can't. TanRef's got powers, man. If this was any more telegraphed, they would have to use cup and string <laughs> one punch and Chumley rolls out Corbin chases him and hits some more punches and then rolls back in a little offense in the ring and Chumley rolls back outside to the ramp for some walking brawls Chumley power bombs Corbin onto the ramp and that's the damn highlight of this match we also have the low light of this match
0: what's that the fans immediately start chanting we want tables This is a low light for me in every hardcore match ever. When the crowd goes on their own and starts chanting, we want tables, they pop loud when Chumley searches under the ring for one, but then immediately start booing when he doesn't come out with one. Shut up, you stupid people.
1: Well, I have a note on Chumley for
0: this. Did he check the wrong side of the ring? I don't know. In this whole DQ match, he never pulls a weapon out. He looked like a fish out of water here. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe they just
1: decided it was DQ during the match. I don't know, man. Chumley gets Corbin back in the ring. Corbin gets Chumley up for a nice sidewalk slam. It was decent. It was really good. Yeah, and it should have ended here. Should have. It was a good move. It should have been a three count. That should have been the end of it. Instead, Corbin tries to clothesline Chumley to the outside, but he's way too gassed. Corbin falls out over the top, and Chumley has to go over himself. The crowd immediately boo it. Good. The botch causes
0: Corbin to land very awkwardly, very badly. And then Chumley just kind of jumps out on top of him. I, I will give a little bit of props. The crowd attempted to start a botchamania chant. They shut him down on that. So they are occasionally stopping the unnecessary chants. But yeah. shut up, botchamania.
1: Yeah, I'd rather have the booze and the botchamania chant than the you fucked up chant. True. I know that we go into a few curse words here on the podcast, mm-hmm. but. It's already put on the labels for the podcast that it does have explicit use of language here. This is supposedly rated T V P G on the network. Yeah. And when you have the crowd start chanting you fucked up, yes, the smart crowd knows what you're going into, but this isn't something that you exactly want your kids listening to.
0: Fair. But and I'm not saying don't watch Botchamania. You should go watch Botchamania if you don't. Oh, absolutely. But I don't like them advertising for something that's not actually fed related, even if it is the crowd doing it. You know what I mean? It just kind of takes you out of what you're watching, which uh, I mean, you're already out of it because of how terrible that clothesline was.
1: As both of them get up, Chumley hits Corbin with the I'm a fat guy. The diving headbutt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah fair enough. It's what all big guys do. But Corbin kicks out at two. What does Chumley do? Roll Corbin outside. Fuck. Bewildered Chumley picks up Corbin to his feet to toss him into the stairs. It's obviously going the wrong way, and he has to spin around a full 360 to find the right side where the stairs are. Here is a man, turned it around 180 degrees. 180 degrees! 360, and then... 360! Another 180. Rolls Corbin back in the ring. Walks around the ring to grab a chair and goes inside to smack Corbin. We finally get a weapon in this no DQ match. Corbin hits the end of days in response. Yeah, it kind of hit him on the chair a little bit. Gets the three over Chumley in four minutes and ten seconds. And as soon as the three count hits, the fans are booing this match.
0: It was bad. I I hate to keep harping on this, but I do think there was a bonus at the end of it. But I don't think they pulled it off well. Well, we have this no DQ match, but nothing illegal actually happened. So if the setup was Bull saying, I can beat you in an ODQ match, but then Baron never tries anything illegal, does that make him a little bit stronger? Sure. I mean, like I said, they didn't sell it well, but maybe that was me hoping to find some silver lining to this terrible, terrible shit cloud.
1: Corbin sets up the chair in the middle of the ring to watch Chumley sell. It's pitiful. It was a good little cocky spot. This match sucked. Oh, it was so bad. Chumley sucked, and whoever the age it was shouldn't be fired, but should at least be fined. Nothing good about this. Before the match earlier in the day, did they set up chairs and tables in certain spots, and then before the show, did someone move everything? I got nothing, man. Good news, everyone! We're done with Bull Dempsey. He has gone off NXT specials. Chumley will stick around on and off for TV even teaming up with Tyler Breeze during the first round of the Dusty Rhodes Classic, losing to the not-yet-official team of DIY, Episode 13. Nice that we don't have to see him again as well. After he leaves, he'll go on to CZW. Jesus! Of course he will. To feud with top Greco-Roman wrestling superstar, Sammy Callahan. So long, Chumley. Don't come back. Backstage with Sammy Zane, talking to Lord Regal and Confused Ref. Just Confused. This was a nice little, a nice little duality. Like I said,
0: Regal was obviously babysitting Kevin Owens, but he's having a nice chat with Sammy. It was a nice little juxtaposition of your face and your heel getting along with the, the general manager. I thought it
1: was well done. Right after that, this kind of goes into what you were talking about earlier with the hype package. We have a fucking network commercial during a network special. For Fastlane. It's because WWE Network is free during this month. And it's yeah. trying to boost subscriptions.
0: Yeah, Fastlane's a terrible name for a pay-per-view, though. That's that's all I got on that. Well, you know
1: what comes right after Fastlane, right? Oh, what's that? Roadblock. Wait, there's an actual pay-per-view called Roadblock? Yeah, it goes Royal Rumble, Fastlane, Roadblock, Wrestlemania. Oh, uh, see, I didn't know the Roadblock part. <laughs> yeah, because you're on the road to Wrestlemania. But there's a block before the end. Exactly.
0: Damn
1: you! Are your level jokes, dude? (laughs) Give me give me the damn you all
0: from uh Planet of the Apes there. Yeah, that's that's bad. That's even beyond my level of jokes. Backstage we
1: have Becky Lynch doing
0: push-ups. It's my highlight of the night. Becky doing stair push-ups, but she's doing them going up the stairs, which actually makes the push-ups
1: easier. Corey Graves is commenting right after that promo package saying, You can't buy a women's title at Hot Topic. You have to win it here tonight. Good line. It is a good line, but are they sponsored by Hot Topic or something? This is the second time someone's thrown a random Hot Topic comment out. Well, I checked, and he's right. But you know what you can buy from Hot Topic right now? What's that? You can get a Becky Lynch t-shirt, and you can get a WWE toaster for $35.90 or 32 euros eight over here. You're talking about now or back then? Both. <laughs> I thinking, Becky Lynch wasn't big enough to have a t-shirt back then. No, that was their thing in NXT, was if you made the NXT roster, you at least had one shirt. Okay. I want this toaster.
0: Does it have Kane on the side? No, it's just got that stupid WWE logo. It's literally just a WWE-branded toaster.
1: When you put the bread in there, it toasts, it has the WWE
0: logo on it. No, you shut your mouth. (laughs) You shut your mouth. And then Bailey
1: stands awkwardly in the hallway. With Brenham going over, watching Bailey gear up, with what? She's just standing there, kind of, awkwardly. I have no we're not, she's got everything on. What the yeah. hell is going on this first hour? She's ready to go, and her match isn't even next. The Lucha Dragons music hits, and they come out. Surely, they will save this first hour, right? I have a note before we get into that. Sinkara with the t-shirt on, is the best Sin looked. And then he took the t-shirt off. Bachi comes out, he signals like he's wearing a title belt. You know, where he does the hands across the stomach area. Yeah. Or is he just hungry? Both.
0: We also get probably going to be your favorite call of the night if you caught it. They're talking about the upset of Blake and Murphy having won the tag team titles. And Brenham says, this is the biggest upset since the Mulkey brothers beat the Gladiators.
1: (laughs) That's right. Shout out to the Mulkey brothers. There's only two people now in the world that know who the Mulkey brothers are. (laughs) You and Rich Brenham. The camera does a better job this time of not showing the springboard. Yeah, it did a really good cutaway. Simbachi is making look Callisto look even smaller now. But Callisto is just happy to be there. And yeah. Simbachi is just there. He's in the team. Go team. Blake and Murphy come out. I didn't really get to see the intro because I was too busy having a seizure. This bad techno music.
0: They did a leapfrog at one point. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this gimmick is supposed to be except for, as you say, seizure-inducing.
1: Matt, who are these guys, and why do they have the belts? Well, I'm glad you asked. Wesley Blake started
0: wrestling in 2011, and he started at the Funkin' Conservatory. Wait, one note from this time frame. He didn't do a lot between 2011 and 2013. So much showed that his one highlight from this time period is he was part of the eight-person tag team, which was Jerry the King Lawler's first match back after his heart attack. Okay. So he was signed in June of 2013, and you actually probably would have been a fan of him at this time because he had a cowboy gimmick, but he always lost, and everyone knows you like cowboys that lose. How's
1: your Niners doing right
0: now? In August of 2014, <laughs> <laughs> he started teaming with Murphy. Who is Murphy, you ask? Murphy is Australian. Woo! <laughs> he also, not all out on his background, he wrestled. He started wrestling in 2007. And from 2007 to 2013, he just basically wrestled all over Australia. He had two highlights. One is he once had a tag partner named Jacko Lantern, which is awesome.
1: I thought that was you for a second. No,
0: not me. And two, uh, he was the Melbourne City Wrestling Heavyweight Champion for 293 days. That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, he was kind of big down in Australia. He was signed in March of 2013. He joined, did a couple random tag teams before being put in this random tag team. And then both of these guys were in both of the tag tournaments we've talked about in the previous matches to find new number one contenders. That's pretty much all they did. And then in January, on January 21st, they beat the Vaude Villains in a match immediately challenged the lucha dragons for a title shot on the 28th they were given said title shot and they won no story no hype no build up just here's two guys they won one match and then they won the titles because they won the titles champions get a rematch
1: here we are do you notice who our referee was tonight
0: who is our referee
1: teddy long junior yeah
0: <laughs> he is very much so tiny teddy
1: I love it. That's what we're going with now.
0: So we got Tiny Teddy, Confused Ref, and Ten Ref.
1: Bell hits, and we have a lockup. So you know how I keep my notes here, right? I, I yes. do usually do one-letter abbreviation for the names and stuff. Well, I got two guys that have B now. I have Blake and Bocce. Fair enough. My
0: first note is, Sinbocce has arrived.
1: So I have here B and Sign B. And as I was cleaning up my notes, I was looking at it going, wait, I'm not in a math class. Oh, Sinbocce, Okay. <laughs> Blake and Murphy try to get some tag team offense in early, but Bocchi leapfrogs over them and hits the second rope to flip to Blake. It was not bad, but it'll get worse from here. Yeah. Sinbachi hits a beautiful hurricana after a, a little after a little filler, we go to try it again. This time it works, but the fans aren't having it because the first one was just pitiful. It was so bad. Yeah, Kara is looking rough in this one. Murphy tries to go in, but Callisto bolts over with a dropkick, and he got to hand it to Callisto. He's trying here. He is, but this is the match where Sinbachi finally rubs off on him. <laughs> I have here, Callisto goes for flying Bachi with her top rope, only to miss. Yeah, it was pitiful. Just sad. He jumps over for a crossbody. Back in the ring, and Bachi hits a nice Inseguri on Blake, who is sitting on the top turnbuckle. Bachi gets Blake in a victory roll. It was pretty snug from the top rope for it,
0: too. It was probably one of the highlights of this match, which is kind of sad.
1: Both teams tag in.
0: Yeah, and there's a weird spot here where the match just kind of stopped. There was like a weird pause of, oh, we tagged what's supposed to happen now.
1: Wheelbarrow senton onto Murphy from Callisto. Blake and Murphy throw Bocce up in the air, and Bocce lands flat on his back. Ow. This is a backdrop neckbreaker? Yeah. Second highlight of the match. Callisto hits a second rope corkscrew onto Murphy, followed up with a listo kick. Yeah, they finally
0: named his little ground rolling kick. They named it after him. I guess that's good. Yeah, it's a roll up into a kick to the head. Yeah. And then he murdered Buddy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He did. Are you you talking about the uh, knee high hurricanrana? Yeah, I called it a snap hurricanrana. Driving Murphy's head into the mat. I I thought he was going to have a broken nose or something, man. The announcers have no time for this match as they are going on about pinning instead of cheerleading. The fans also are really not having anything for this match. Murphy counters the Selena del Sol to a linebacker standoff in the middle of the ring. Yeah, it was just more awkwardness. There's no chemistry between these two teams at all. Murphy lifts Callisto up for a powerbomb, but it's reversed to a hurricanrana for a two count. Callisto tries the laziest crucifix pin for a two just kind of scoots over to put it on well this is the one that confused both the ref and the crowd nobody
0: really kind of knew what was going on it's just like yeah both of us are pin what it
1: was oh weird. it gets even weirder because they start trading some weird flipping pin combos for twos yeah just have more reversals that look like shite they go straight for a double breakup because i guess both teams were realizing that this was shit. Crowd is completely dead at this
0: point, and Albert says, these teams are bringing out the best of each other. What match are you watching, man? If this is their best, fire all four of them.
1: Yeah, this goes on for a minute. I'll do a move, but get it reversed into a pin, top shit. Yeah. Bocce doesn't want to play anymore, and taps a kick to Blake. Blake sells it like death, stumbling backwards into the corner to tag in Murphy. Bocce hits a powerbomb out of a roll-up for a two. Blake hits a frog splash, gets the three after using the all-white guys look-alike trick in 731.
0: It was a pretty good
1: finish, though. You had Murphy hitting a
0: suplex that was followed by Blake hitting the frog splash. I think more tag teams need a combo finisher as opposed to both people going for a move, you know what I mean?
1: Right. But it was wasted on this match. So as we're cutting away from this match, there are some camera and screen problems that the announcers acknowledge.
0: Yeah, the camera starts to static out, and it pops up a line of, the takeover isn't over, stay tuned next week. I'm legit only going to touch on this for two seconds. Uh, It turned out to be a wrestler known as Solomon Crow, who we will never see on a takeover, and who is gone by November, and who turned out to be your favorite wrestler of all time, Sammy Callahan. Ugh. Yeah, he wasn't in NXT for long. He said he's never going to be on a takeover. He showed up at a couple of the TV shows, but they they had nothing for him. He had nothing for them, and thankfully, we'll
1: never see him wrestle. So hello and goodbye, and don't come back, Sammy Callahan. Definitely dodged a bullet on this one. Cut to a hype package for number one contender tournament and match tonight. Yeah,
0: we'll actually go over the contender tournament a little bit here. Just to go over a little bit of the tournament now, since we have the finals finally. Over the past couple weeks, they've had a tournament going on to determine the new number one contender. In the first round, we had Finn Balor going over Curtis Axel, who's apparently on the roster somewhere. Haven't seen him, but he was there. Hideo Atami beat Tyler Breeze, which set up their match earlier. And then Balor beat Atami, bringing him to the finals here. Neville beat Tyson Kidd. Good match, I'm assuming, because they've put on some good ones in the past. Corbin beat Dempsey. And then Neville beat Corbin, which we talked about in the Corbin-Dempsey match. Setting up the finals
1: of Finn Balor versus Adrian Neville. Neville comes out. (laughs) He does. Neville enters. That's all I have. Finn Balor comes out as the demon, and the crowd are finally in sync with his floodlights when he opens up his arms. Maybe it's just because we just watched the other
0: show. The demon entrance didn't do it for me this time.
1: I'm kind of in line with Vince on this one. It is overused a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think if we'd have had the, the months in between, it might not have been so bad, but back-to-back, back, it, it just it wasn't good for me. They were shilling the theme song on iTunes. Good job. The commentators don't actually say anything to his entrance. Good job. Finn Balor kind of looks like a bad performance artist. Bad
1: job. Quick question for you. You ready? Mm-hmm. From the lights going out for Balor's entrance to Bell Ring kickoff, how long? I would guess 5 minutes 37 seconds a very specific guess there but how close is it three minutes 47 oh man i almost went three instead of five but the bell rings and we're finally off a couple of headlock takedowns to start off by neville great mat wrestling to start off t- and it goes into a standoff
0: yeah i actually love it I, the fans were obviously expecting something else at this kickoff but neville's playing
1: hill pretty well here and going for the headlocks i'm a fan Albert's actually shining during this match for commentary he points out that these two have made their names in other countries uh, like Japan and their own home countries he's just really putting them over this match they
0: are and all the heel commentators can really throw back at him is yeah but what has Finn
1: Balor done here? This match starts off very familiar for you and me, from what we're used to watching and everything, but the crowd here is obviously not in sync with what goes on in Japanese wrestling. We have a couple of takedowns, we have a little bit of reversal going on, and then all of a sudden the two stop in the ring in their Mortal Kombat fighter pose to a standoff, and in Japan, the signals, hey, we're kind of evenly matched. And the crowd starts applauding, like not cheering, but actually clapping their hands.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be a, sh- a show of respect here.
1: However, there are a few smart fans because the crowd here starts applauding the standoff. And I don't think it's because they're in sync with Japanese wrestling. I think it's just because they had a good display of good mat wrestling in front of them right now. Right. Balor reverses a sunset flip to a dropkick to Neville. Weird execution, but it was neat. It was, but then we get a spot that is becoming just
0: common for a Neville match. He takes his first hit, immediately rolls outside.
1: But Balor goes to fly. Neville sees it, runs back in. They both run the ropes, and Balor hits another dropkick. And Neville goes out again. Well, Balor tries to fly again. Neville meets him with a punch on the apron, though. So they're changing it up a little bit. I, I, I'm i not disagreeing with that. It just, every match we've watched
0: of Neville so far has gone down this way, where it starts off with, he takes that first move and immediately ducks out. Now, he always gets some kind of counter usually afterwards, but it's just a weird spot. They're not pushing him as the man that Gravity forgot as much anymore, but for this guy who's supposed to be your high-flyer, ex-champion, awesome dude, it's just a weird spot to start off your matches with.
1: And Neville goes up for a springboard drop kick. And while he's doing that, Albert clarifies the last special's name for us finally. It's our evolution. Uh -uh. No more. Neville hits some kicks to Balor in the corner. A lot of rest holds here for a minute. The announcers are really holding this together. Uh, Graves says, is Balor not proven? Albert responds with, he's proven, just not in NXT. He's beaten two other people in the tournament. He tag team beat the
0: Ascension, the baddest tag team you've ever had is he not proven but i like where albert's going with this it's just weird to me he's been here for two takeovers now and a couple of uh, not a couple like a bunch of the tv shows in between are you just not proven until you get a belt is the million dollar man never been proven my next notes more headlocks more drop kicks
1: yeah Balor goes to fly outside but as he goes up neville hits him with a high drop kick Neville hits a nice vertical stalling suplex to bring Balor back in. Balor nails Neville with an enziguri while he's sitting on the top rope. Mm-hmm. Balor finally gets the chance to dive outside onto Neville. And we start getting the NXT chance again.
0: Yeah, I have here. It's it's You're starting to rub off on me a
1: little bit. I, I was not a fan of the NXT chance here. Neville back in quickly to roll out to the other side to get away. But Balor is stalking him and catches up to him with a dropkick through the barriers. Holy shit, Chance. It was weird. Again, he had
0: the whole demon mannerisms when he was doing the stalking. I'm glad you used that word because I have demon stalks written down. It was awkward, but it kind of fit. But I had a question. Mm-hmm. Neville was on the ground when the demon started stalking him. And then when he ran to do the dropkick, Neville's sitting in a chair for some reason. Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened here. So he
1: dropped, kicked him through a chair and the barricade. I think this was a mess up by Neville. I think he was supposed to go outside and kind of position himself in the chair better. Mm. The spot definitely called for him to be sitting in the chair. Yeah,
0: I, maybe it was a bad camera angle then.
1: Balor gets Neville up to roll him inside and go up top. As Neville is getting up, his head's hunched over and Balor hits the coup de grace on the back of his head. This pissed me
0: off to no end. This is his finishing move that he normally does to the chest. He does it to the back of the head, and Neville kicks out. This is more brutal than your finishing move.
1: This should have been the finish. It should have ended right here. Balor goes for a reverse lifting DDT, but Neville is way too short for that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the middle of taking notes and drinking a soda, and I spit that shit all over my paper when I saw (laughs) Balor try to pull Neville up like that, and his legs were just barely touching on the ground. And Balor wasn't even up like two inches. Yeah, it's amusing. I was like, come on, Balor, you should have known the guy's a midget. He's not a midget, he's a goblin. (laughs) There you go, he's a goblin. Some back and forth until Balor hits the Pele kick, but Neville no-sells and hits a kick to the face.
0: Yeah, this is piss-me-off number two. The Pele kick always puts people down, whoever uses it, but Neville's just like, nope, I'm gonna super kick you out of this.
1: Neville hits a German suplex onto Balor, followed by another one into a two-count.
0: Yeah, the first one, I think he saved Finn Balor's life. It looked like it was a little bit botchy at first, and he went into the German suplex to save Balor. But the second one was a stalling German. And it actually, this is the first time I've ever seen Adrian Neville look beastly. Like, he looks like he's actually buff when he does this stalling German suplex. It was great.
1: Balor then kicks out of a second rope corkscrew from Neville. And I have written here, yes chance? Before that, though, I have a question for you. Okay.
0: Balor's laid out. You're going to the top rope. Your finishing move is off the top rope. You stop at the second rope and do a different move instead? Oh, I know. This is... What is the booking for this
1: match? Confusion. Balor countered some offense with a sling blade, followed by a nice lariat. Yeah, the inside-out clothesline. Balor, realizing that Neville was way too damn short for him to help on the reverse DDT, does it all by himself on this one. Yeah, he did. But, like everything else in this match, it only gets a two. Balor sets up for a coup de grace. Neville chases him up top to hit him with an enziguri. It was nice. Neville goes up himself. This time, Balor chases him. Neville jumps down over him and nails Balor with a kick to the back of the head. Neville quickly goes up, does the red arrow, but what happens? We get the knees
0: up, and Neville's rolled over into a pin. This was probably the spot of this match. Everything was timed perfectly, it looked really good. Again, a finisher for this match
1: should have been here. Beller hits a dropkick to Neville, pushing him into the opposite turnbuckle. He goes up and connects with the coup de grace for the three at 1325.
0: Coup de grace that Neville was nice enough to roll over for. Like He's laying there for a good minute on his stomach, just looking at Balor and rolls over so he can jump and hit him in the stomach.
1: This match was actually two different matches. We have from start to halfway could be summed up with rest holes and drop kicks, but should have been finished up with the coup de grace to the outside, push back in for the three count. That was match number one. Yes. The second half of this match was just them just whamming down on L1 to hit their finishers.
0: Yeah, we've stored up all the finishers.
1: Let's hit them. And that could have been a separate match all of its own. The booking for this was all over the damn place. Nobody was talking to anybody prior to this match. There wasn't a lot of botching. I didn't really see anything that stuck out as egregious. No, it was a smooth match. But you've gone past botching and gone into, I'm just going to kick out of everything. Well, this match was the definition of an indie match. Yes, that's the perfect way to put it right there. After the match, the music cuts, and we get Hug It Out chance is it that Bailey's gimmick? Annoyance number
0: three. Turn Neville already, man. He worked the whole match as if he was a heel, but you have him contemplating a hug into a handshake. It's bullshit. I don't like it. But
1: they do shake hands and Neville clears the ring. Well, Matt, that's it for Neville. He's gone? He is gone. After this, he'll get called up to Raw on the 20th of March after losing his first name. Oh, I thought you were going to say that he got called up to the Halls of Mordor. <laughs> Stupid. Shortly after, he'd be in a feud with, at the time, Stardust. During the angle involving Stephen Amell from Arrow, he would slowly go off TV from there until 205 Live was formed. As of this recording, he may or may not be in AEW. We don't know. He shows up sometimes.
0: They missed a whole big deal. Or I guess they didn't miss it. They weren't allowed to do it. When he was feuding with Stephen Amell, who plays Green Arrow, and Neville's finishing move is the Red Arrow, but they could never call Stephen Amell Green Arrow on TV. Rights man sucks. Well,
1: this does make sense now for the match itself. Like you said, it was an indie show match. I'm guessing that Neville. I'm guessing that Neville booked this or had a heavy hand in it because this was a send off from NXT. I
0: was gonna say yeah. Now that I'm finding out it was a final match, I
1: could definitely
0: see Bowler allowing him to call as much of it as he wanted. And it makes sense that he would kick out of the coup de grace to the back of the head. He shouldn't have. But you have him look strong going on to do whatever he's going on to do. So, I mean, it makes sense. I'm still just
1: not a fan. Backstage with Sasha and Charlotte getting ready, we have a promo package for tonight's women's match. It was a good promo package. It was. I have it titled, Everyone
0: Hates Charlotte. It was a really good promo package of how these four women came to be in this match and how they all hate each other and nobody's friends. And
1: it's all the title. The title is more important. It was really well done. So we have one hour left in the show at this point, but only 30 minutes of matches left. run right about. Bailey comes out and Brenham nails the two men line. I mean, first time go, man. You got to give the guy props on this one.
0: This is one claim to fame.
1: Sasha comes out and has better hair and a regular forehead this time.
0: She does. She's looking she a lot better in the show. She must have heard our show. <laughs> she time traveled, fixed it, and made it better.
1: Becky comes out and she headbangs before I can say it. She makes herself 50 first. Stop- yeah, and
0: her gear does not match her theme song at this point. She has not found herself yet. Who is this potato? This potato. <laughs> <laughs> well as you hinted at, Becky Lynch is Irish. She trained in Ireland under one Finn Balor in NWA Ireland. She actually started off in a mixed tag team with her brother before moving to Canada to join Supergirls Wrestling. It was an all-female promotion, and she was their inaugural champion. This is what I was talking about earlier. She's got her passport, man. She traveled all over the world. She wrestled in Japan, France, Germany, everywhere but America, it looked like. And she did this until 2006, where she unfortunately suffered an injury to her eighth cranial nerve, which is responsible for transmitting sound and equilibrium from your inner ear to your brain. Holy shit. Yeah, it's a shitty injury for a wrestler to take. She actually had to stop wrestling for six years. She would show up sporadically, like three or four shows, but mainly in like managerial roles. Roles. I have heard in interviews with her that during the six-year time frame, she started taking like acting classes and doing other things before she finally found out, you know, she had a shot at WWE. So she tried out. In April of 2016, she joined NXT and she Teamed and then turned on Bailey, which means at this point Sasha has teamed and turned on Bailey, Charlotte has teamed and turned on Bailey, and Becky has teamed and turned on Bailey. Is Bailey the NXT version of Sting?
1: I was just about to say I blame Sting.
0: Sting. It's all <laughs> it's all Sting's fault bailey get some better heroes um after becky turned on bailey she started teaming up with sasha they had a group called team bay which stood for best at everything before turning on sasha but it was sasha's fault because sasha turned on her first they started costing each other matches which led to all four women hating each other and starting the feud which led to this match
1: Charlotte is out to booze, but she towers the other three ladies in this match. Yeah, she makes them all look minuscule. We have some quick intros, and man, were they all fast. Right, before that, there was, I don't think we've
0: noticed, or, I, I, we've noticed it, but I don't think we've mentioned it before. Charlotte's entrance, she does this weird splits into a back handspring stand-up with the belt. This girl is athletic, man. I only want to say this once, because I don't want to become a thing. But holy crap, she needed different ring gear. She kept almost falling out of this top. I do want to hit
1: back on the intros real quick. All four of these girls were out quick. Yeah. But like I said, we have an hour left in the show. What was going on that they had to speed up like that? I got nothing. There was no reason for it. Ah, oh, this annoyed the crap out of me, man. Do you like the stupid glitter sound that the belt makes when it's shown on screen? four-way matchup for the NXT Women's Championship. First competitor... I did not notice, but no, I
0: would not like that if I noticed it. They're also still in the whole D.Va era, so even though they have the NXT women's title, they keep calling them Divas a lot, and I'm not a fan of that either. We're almost gone, though. Almost there. We also have another thing that I love. We get Albert saying, Charlotte has a 25% chance of winning this match. Steiner, math.
1: You had a chance, but then you have no chance.
0: (laughs) I've always found this was dumb. Does Charlotte not still have a 50-50 chance? Because she's either going to win or she's going to lose. doesn't really change by how many people are in there, does it? To the abacus. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me down in the
1: comments if I'm wrong. I don't know math that well, but it just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Bell rings and there ain't no horsing around in this one. Everybody goes straight after Charlotte. No horsing around? I see what you did there. Woo! Woo! Oh, excuse me. We got to call back to Natty real quick. Whoa. Making Sasha grab Charlotte and throw her into the ropes, but Charlotte hits them both with a double clothesline, just proving that she's way bigger than them. Yeah. Bailey tries for a quick roll-up, but Charlotte has none of it, and woman handles her for it, just all over the place like a ragdoll. Mm-hmm. Charlotte is tossed into the corner for the first flare spot of the night. Yeah,
0: I like her little remix version of it, where she actually lands it on the outside. It's a
1: nice call-up to daddy, but you finish it your own way. Becky yanks Charlotte down off the apron to the outside, then throw Charlotte into the LED apron as Sasha's directing traffic. Did you notice that the LED screen flickered like it was broken when this happened? I was going to say really
0: good props to the tech people on this part. They shut it down as soon as, as soon as she
1: hit the LED. Good timing. Well played. Becky and Sasha go inside to team up on Bailey at this point. Uh, They pick up Bailey. They swing her back and forth and then into the turnbuckle. Like almost like a, a, a swinging carry? Well, I have a note that I wanted to go into in a second. We'll get to this in just a second. That okay. move was actually pretty neat, though. Both of them try to pin Bailey at the same time, but Tanref is telling them, no, only one at a time. Yeah,
0: Graves goes, what are they going to do? Share the championship? I have a note on that, though. In the past, we've had multiple no, 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 co-champions. Nope, nope, no, no. That didn't happen.
1: It <laughs> never happened.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm dreaming the whole... Layla L. and Michelle McCool code
1: champions Absolutely. Okay. The tension between Becky and Sasha now, because, you know, they both can't pin her. What happens? Becky no. turns on Sasha with a pump handle suplex. This is why you have a tiny woman in your match.
0: Sasha is so much smaller than everybody else. So when Becky does this pomp handle suplex, she just tosses her like not even a ragdoll, something smaller than a ragdoll. Kudos and kudos to Sasha for also selling it like a champ. I don't want to say like a boss because
1: I refuse to make that joke. Charlotte must be dead. Yeah, I have no. Where's Charlotte? Becky hits a dragon screw on Bailey and locks it in to a turnover figure four. Yeah, I have reverse figure four. It's weird, but it's good. Yeah, Sasha breaks it up, and we go straight back into Sasha versus Becky in the ring. Becky with a nice top rope drop kick on Sasha.
0: Yeah, they had set up the corner, Sasha goes up tops and double knees Becky spot. I hate that spot, and Becky immediately just rolls out of being draped over the ropes, which is what you should do, and then hits this beautiful drop kick. Thank you for making this move look dumb, because it is.
1: Charlotte's alive, and she runs right back into the ring to hit a modified reverse stunner on Becky. It was really good. Charlotte goes for a suplex on Sasha, but she reverses it, and then Charlotte reverses it into a neckbreaker. Charlotte turns her attentions to Becky in the corner and drags her out, spins her feet outside over the second rope, and hits another neckbreaker. Sasha and Charlotte trade elbows until Sasha stops to taunt, throws Charlotte into the ropes. Sasha ducks out of the way and spears Becky. Really well-timed. Charlotte has Sasha in a wheelbarrow, but Bailey comes in and catches Sasha for a codebreaker. Even better timed than the spear spot. Yeah, this was really good. Yeah, this whole little
0: section of chain wrestling and moves versus moves, this is is how you do a a four-way match. It was really well put together.
1: Sasha has Charlotte across the second rope in the corner and goes for knees to the midsection. Yeah, she does. But Becky comes in and catches Sasha's feet. Sasha then pulls Becky into the turnbuckle and sets her up across the first rope for the double knees on both of them.
0: I hate this spot, as I just said earlier, but it actually did look really good in this one.
1: I don't know if you noticed, but somebody in the audience is screaming during this match, and it sounds like drowning cats. I did not
0: notice, but that's a good segue because Sasha immediately starts screaming, and it sounds like drowning cats. (laughs) She plays the frustration gimmick as she tries to pin one and then the other and then the other. And the screams get louder and louder and louder. And Sasha, I got news for you. You ain't no Daphne. Bailey sneaks in for a
1: suplex on Sasha.
0: Yeah, it's It's Bailey's turn to take advantage of the fact that Sasha's so small and sells for everybody. Bailey looks like a beast because of this.
1: She also hits some corner elbows to Charlotte. Bailey sets up Charlotte up top for her Karana and then a Bailey to Bailey. Oh, I hate pronouncing that thing. It is worst name ever. I hate that move. I hate the name. I hate that it's a finisher. Moving on. Becky comes in to break it up and now it's Becky versus Bailey, but they brawl on the outside. There's a really nice little moment here. That I forgot to
0: mention in the highlight package or I guess it it wasn't in the highlight package. It was at the beginning of this match. They said that Bailey wanted her Sami Zayn moment. This is her Sami Zayn moment this match. And
1: Bailey gets her Sami Zayn moment, damn it. Yeah, she does it by running and sliding through the corner to hit Becky with a drop kick.
0: And they didn't focus on it, they didn't replay it. It was probably Bailey's move of the night and the tech crew just no sold it, man.
1: Poor Bailey. Yeah, out of nowhere, Sasha flies out onto Becky and Bailey on the ramp and she barely made it. Yeah, she did. While the three of them are regrouping, Charlotte just lunges out over the top rope on top of them.
0: If if you didn't know how much bigger she was, it took all three of them teaming up to catch her, and she was still a good
1: foot and a half on each side longer than they were wide. Charlotte picks up Becky to drag back inside. Becky hits a suplex on Charlotte for a two. She then picks up Charlotte up top. Sasha comes in and starts to go up to break it up, but Bailey yanks her down, and she smacks on the apron, too. It was a good sound. Yeah, she did. Bailey comes in and German suplexes Becky. Bailey then goes up top to Charlotte, who is still up there, and nails a Bailey to belly. (sighs) Yep. Sasha breaks it up and throws out Bailey. Pins Charlotte for a two count. Should have ended there. It should have ended there. But it's not as bad as the previous match. She threw Bailey out pretty
0: quick after hitting her finisher, and Charlotte still kicked out. And it was the finisher from the top rope.
1: (sighs) Sasha applies a crossface to Charlotte. What kind of crossface was it? Just a crossface. Just a crossface. She lets up to kick Becky off the apron onto Bailey. Sasha reapplies the crossface. Charlotte tries for a bit to break it. As she's starting to get out of it, Sasha rolls it up into a crucifix pin and gets the three in 1150.
0: It was a very interesting finish. I liked it, but it was very anticlimactic. You had Charlotte trying to fight out of this crossface. And then the second crossface for a good two minutes, only to be rolled up and pinned. It was a good match, though. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to take away from it. It just was an awkward. And like I said, I like that they did something different for the finish. It was just weird and kind of anticlimactic
1: for the match we just saw. There is something that confused me about this match, though. Are we playing a game? Shouldn't this Fatal Four Way match have been on a show that was more about Fatal Four Ways? Are you referring to. The previous damn show, show. yeah, with a fucking Fatal 4-Way themed show.
0: (laughs) Right, but that one was more about the men's match. They hadn't really set up a women's match at that point to be a Fatal 4-Way. I'm okay with this.
1: Sasha is the most diva looking of the women's wrestlers that we have tonight, but
0: she can go. She sold, she wrestled, she is really good. in that. All four of these women are really good in this ring. Becky's not quite there yet, and it's not that she doesn't know how to do it or was less than the other women. She just hasn't figured out her character yet.
1: Sasha's music stops, and then Charlotte stares her down. Another handshake hug spot. At least this time, Sasha pushes Charlotte away to shoe off the belt. Right, but I had
0: two problems with this.
1: One, exactly what you just said.
0: Why is Charlotte hugging people again? Who's face, who's heel? I don't know what's going on. And two, when the hug finishes, Charlotte shoes Sasha out of the ring, the champion, and Sasha leaves. Why? Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's not like Charlotte's going
0: anywhere anytime soon. No, this is Sasha's moment. What is going on, man? Charlotte does the little hand motion, shoes her out and everything. It was really awkward.
1: Yeah, while this awkwardness is continuing, we cut away for a WrestleMania commercial. It's 46 days away. After that, we go straight into a Kevin Owens promo package.
0: A really good promo package. It felt about 10 minutes long, but in a good way, and was a legit three-minute long package. And it just goes over the whole history of Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, how they've grown up in the business together, how they're here now, how he's only going to fight Sami for the belt. There's nothing personal about it. He's a prize fighter. He's here to win the belt because that means more money for his family. And then it weirdly fades into Kevin Owens' entrance. It's really well done. I don't know. I've never seen him do it like this before or since to where the package kind of morphs into the wrestler's entrance. Kudos to the, whoever the tech guy was.
1: Yeah, it was very well produced. It also builds up not just a title match,
0: but a blood feud. You You definitely have Kevin Owens keep saying it's not a blood feud. It's nothing personal, but you can tell that it is. It's really good character work. It's
1: really good story. They do the same for Semi Zayn, but it still sounds weird for him coming out from the backstage entrance theme to
0: Yeah, I have we got this blood feud going on and he kinda stares down Kevin Owens every now and then. But he's also dancing and playing to the crowd. And it's like you gotta choose
1: one or the other, man. Is this a blood feud or a normal match? On the bottom of the screen, you know how they show all the twat handles for everybody and whatnot? Did you see the twat handle for Sami Zayn? I did not. I like Sami Zayn. Fair enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, does that mean he likes himself? Is he a narcissistic face? The narcissist.
1: While Sami Zayn's making his way to the ring, we get some ole chants. JoJo is announcing this match as Confused Ref looks on legitimately confused. Why do they keep using him in the main events? He is staring off into wilderness. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't even know why he's there. He doesn't know where he is.
0: Maybe they kidnapped him, and he has to referee so many matches before they'll allow him to return to Full Sail University.
1: You think maybe he's just a student there?
0: Yeah, maybe he's a schoolgirl. I mean, schoolboy. I was just about to say. I just
1: wants to get back to school. There was this one time Nah. Yeah. Far, far away. <laughs> Sami Zayn, you know how I confuse his name with somebody else, right? The Generico? Did you know that it was discovered around this time period that if you take the name Sami Zayn in Google Translator and translate it from English to Arabic, because Sami Zayn is Syrian, his real name is actually Arabic. Yes. But if you take Sami Zayn and go from English to Arabic, it goes into uh, it's squiggly lines, right? Yes. If you take that translation and go from Arabic to English, it says El Generico. That's some next level (laughs) stuff (laughs) on his part
0: and the fans who figured it out.
1: Not long after this, the Fed got with Google to fix that shit. Fool this man! Boo! But yeah, that is some next level Matrix stuff right there. Kudos to Sammy, man. Uh, If you look on his tights, you have the S and the Z on there from his name. Currently, Mm -hmm. it looks very familiar, almost like an El Generico mask.
0: Does it? What does the Arabic on the back of his trunks mean? Does anybody know that? Sami Zayn. The bum smile actually says in El Generico? Yeah. Nice.
1: Well, thanks to the Fed, it means uh, just straight out generic. Still close enough. Yeah, you got to hand it to Sami Zayn. He's... I can't take him seriously in a blood feud like this, but when it comes to stuff like that, boy, he is behind the fans 100% on this. Yeah, I'm I'm with him. I dig it. The crowd is kind of 50-50 for this one.
0: Yeah, I found that really odd. I, I get that they like both wrestlers, but you should boo the hill. If you like the hill, boo the
1: hill. The bell rings, and we go straight to a standoff as confused ref reaffirms the bell has, in fact, rung. He wasn't sure. He wanted to let everybody else know because someone told him. You know, we have a fascination with refs, right? This almost looks like that they were ribbing him. Are they? They might be. Because the bell rings. They just stand there. And he stands there for a second thinking, oh, crap. Did they not hear the bell?
0: Yeah, they're playing up the crowd, which is going pretty well-ish. But yeah, this ref does
1: not know what's going on at all. Owens goes outside as Sammy goes for a lockup and immediate heel heat. Exactly what he should have done. Owen starts to come back in, but as Sammy starts to go towards him, he goes right back down again. In an ideal world, he's pissing these fans off. At this point, during during the back and forth between in and out of the ring like this, I actually heard confused ref counting, and my God, if that man counted any slower, he'd be going backwards. Did they actually finally try to count somebody out of the ring, dude. He took an ice age to go from one number to the next. Have they done that at all tonight? There were a couple of counting spots, they were just not obvious like this. We go back to the well again with the back away spot as mm-hmm. Confused Ref is jawjacking with Kevin Owens. Sammy runs and swantons over Confused Ref to the outside onto Kevin Owens. Yeah, he totally clears the ref. And gets way out there. He made Sasha look bad with his dive. Brawl on the outside. Sammy puts Kevin back in the ring and starts giving him the business in the corner. As confused Ref is trying to break it up. Owens lifts Sammy for something and Sammy drops into the turnbuckle. This was a bad camera angle, so I'm not really sure what it was supposed to happen here. Same. Production-wise, this is probably the only blemish tonight.
0: Yeah, it hasn't been bad. They've picked up a lot since those first couple shows, but yeah,
1: they did have this one weird spot. Owens rushes Sammy in the corner with a lariat, and Sammy sells like death. It's because it killed him. Yeah. Some boots to Sammy, and... Owens hits another corner lariat. I do want to point out that Owens taunting during this match really builds the anticipation for the actual finish.
0: Well, Uh, a lot of these big moves he's doing, as opposed to actual wrestling moves, and the way he's taunting, the way he's jaw jacking, it really sells, from Kevin's point of view, this blood feud, this there's
1: more than just he wants the belt. He's doing a really good job with this match. This is not a match built on mind-blowing moves because it's a blood feud. It just happens to involve a tie. Idol. And
0: I, like I said, I like the build-up of Sammy's trying to work a match, Owens is not letting that happen, and he's keeping this blood feud, prize fightery. i I'm just
1: gonna beat the hell out of you. It, it's really well put together. We get some stiff chops. To Sammy in the middle of the ring, and Owens is just battering Sammy Zayn. Sa- there are points where Sammy Zayn tries to power out, you know, like out of the headlock and get something going, mm. but Kevin Owens is having none of this. yeah We get a little bit of offense from Sammy Zayn onto Kevin Owens for a little bit, and we go out of a headlock. Owens gets Sammy in an elevated back suplex. Owens is consistently trying to go for the pin, and it makes sense. You want to end this as quickly as possible. Yeah. Some dickhead in the crowd.
0: Beautiful back. Yeah, this crowd is not great tonight. Like, it has its moments, but it's it's a weird crowd.
1: Owens dumps Sammy outside, follows him, and hits some nasty chops, interspaced with Tawny. And it just goes back into brawling. They both come back in at eight. This is going to be the pace of this match. A little bit of offense, a little bit of taunting, a little bit on the outside. It's a damn good Blood Feud match. It's
0: a little slow watching it, but from a story, storytelling point, it's really well put together.
1: Sammy is on his knees reaching at Owens, pleading. Owens picks him up for a gut buster, followed by a senton. Even though Kevin Owens goes back to the headlock, it builds the match and allows for great replays. So if you've noticed, they'll do a good move, go Mm -hmm. into kind of a rest hold for a second, but during that rest hold, production guys in the back are right on the spot and go and replay that great move that you just saw.
0: I said, they had that one little awkward angle, but everything else they're doing is, is spot
1: on. So I don't really know if... the crowd are seeing the replays on the big Titantron in the front, but from a TV audience perspective, this is actually the perfect match. A little bit going, and then you go back to the replay so you can get fresh in your mind what's going on, and then as soon as the replay is over, either Confused Ref or somebody is signaling them, or they just automatically know because they're that good, they just move straight into the next spot.
0: I I think it might just be an aspect of they're that good. I want to say that the couple of times I've gone to a show that was fed they don't show the replays on the titantron it's just what's happening as it's happening so i think it's just really great timing they assume probably that
1: they're going to get some replays out of it
0: and then the tech crew's exactly where they
1: need to be to do the replays sammy works his way up trying to get it out of the headlock and he drops down for a good jawbreaker it's immediately answered back with a kick to the back and the crowd, man. You got a really good crowd, but there's a couple of dickheads in the crowd because we start getting headlock chance again. Yeah. Fuck those guys. Agreed. I know you and I have had this
0: debate before with one Randy Orton. I am a fan of heels using headlocks. You're supposed to be trying to piss off the crowd. You're supposed to be smart enough to give the wrestlers the respect of they're doing this on purpose. Boo all you want. But chanting headlock and headlock, it, I don't know. It just it just shows you you're not to be a very good crowd, in my opinion.
1: I think the difference between Kevin Owens and Randy Orton here is the fact that during this match, Kevin, Sammy, and even Confused Ref are all in sync with each other and have a mind meld going on with production in the back to make it good for a TV spot. Mm -hmm. Whereas Randy Orton just puts a headlock on without sensing the heat of the crowd or anything like that and just holds a headlock. I can see that argument. Because what move is Randy Orton hidden right away to go into that headlock for them to replay? Fair enough. Sammy gets in some offense finally, and the crowd comes alive. He hits a clothesline to Owens over the top rope to the outside. Sammy goes out there and starts putting the punches to him and uses the steps on Owens. It looks like Kevin Owens is starting to take control again as he rolls Sammy in, but Sammy rolls right around the ring corner. Hits Owens with a surprise lariat. So he kind of rolled him in. Mm -hmm. He went right under the turnbuckle out the other corner. And Owens didn't see him. And then, surprise, motherfucker. Yeah, it was a really good spot. But they're both back inside. And Sami Zayn connects with a blue thunderbomb for a two count. Uh, Still yet to put anybody away with this move. But keeps going for it, man. Sami sets up in the corner to rush Owens across the ring. But Owens connects with a kick to the face. And it was pretty stug. Yeah, it's it's not
0: Japanese snug. It's we've worked together for fifteen years snug.
1: Right after that kick to the face, it sets up Sammy for a cannonball for a two. Owens immediately gets up and does a pump handle neck breaker on the knee. That's what I'm calling it. That's what it looked like. It was really good. I just don't know what the name of it is. Uh it's got a weird uh Japanese name. I, I forget. Owen tries to go for the pop up power bomb, but Sammy regroups and gets in a drop kick. Immediately answered with a clothesline, but Sammy ducks and hits the second-best dragon suplex for a two. The second-best. I have here in my notes for a soundbite, oh, this is the fucking spot. God damn you, Brenham. I was going to ask a, a second ago, would the referee have to think about stopping this match? It appeared that Sammy was down and out. Sammy, Did this motherfucker, I, this is, I try not to curse too much on this podcast. But mm-hmm. this really pissed me the fuck off with him. Yeah,
0: I I was forewarned, and it's still no words, man. No words. Did you read the fucking booking sheet, dude? He wrote it, man. Like I said,
1: no words. Owens is laying on the apron as Sammy comes over to get him up. And he tries some moves, but Owens hits a net breaker onto the top rope. Owens goes up top, but Sammy stops him and tries a suplex. Owens knocks him down and tries a front flip, but Sammy got his knees up. Is Kevin Owens sweating that much, or is he just spitting everywhere, or both? I think it's a little bit of both. Because they cut to the hard camera right in the middle of the ring, and he does his little posing and taunting for to build heat up for the match, right? Mm-hmm. And this dude is
0: drenched. Yeah, if you're that big and you're moving around that much, even if you're doing it well, which he does, you're going to be sweating.
1: I just don't like him spitting everywhere.
0: I, I'm with you. I know that spit has its place in wrestling. I, I'm not a
1: fan. Owens rushes Sammy in the corner, but Sammy catches him with an exploder suplex right in the corner. Owens immediately ducks a haluva kick by rolling outside. Now, see, if he had gotten up or just ducked and rolled in the ring, I'd have flipped the table. But mm-hmm. you're knocked out, but uh, you're try you're just doing something to get away. Rolling to the outside makes sense. Yeah. It's
0: it's something you can do even if you don't know you're doing it. And not to spoil the
1: future, but there's another good example of that later on. Uh, Sammy goes after him, but Kevin Owens was playing possum the entire time and gets Sammy in a powerbomb that he escapes. So Sammy is on the apron and kicks at Owens. Does all mm-hmm. that make sense so far? Gotcha. Okay. Sammy jumps from the apron and bounces off the ropes for a backflip outside back onto Owens. So all this took place in like 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. It happened so quick with the possum playing and the jumping around and stuff like that, that I don't think I have the vernacular to put this correctly in podcast form. Mm -hmm. I was trying to take notes, and I was just like, this is what happened, man. Now, on a side note from this, it didn't look like Owen's got all of it. It looked like Sammy actually smacked his head on the back of the ramp. And Albert is absolutely mortified when he sees it. It plays into what's going to happen later. So
0: kudos to Sammy for making it look better than it was. He sold it really well. And then Albert helped sell it really
1: well. Oh, I don't think Albert was selling. I think it's good for those that are listening to our podcast. Definitely go back and take a look at this match because Mm -hmm. I think Albert actually crapped himself. It's
0: one of the few times he came alive during this match because he, he's a little flat later on when he needs to be more excited. So, yeah, maybe he j- maybe he didn't read the notes. Maybe this was all surprise to him.
1: Sammy puts Owens back inside the ring pretty slowly, mm-hmm. and he starts to go for the huluva kick but stumbles. He starts over, and Confused Ref comes over to check him. While this is happening, Owens runs in for the sneaky powerbomb. I'm a fan of sneaky powerbombs. Confused Ref is showing a lot of attention to Sammy. He is. Mm, I think he did a little bit too much here. Yeah. Owens goes in for some elbows and battering, and Sammy is just playing dead. Uh, He is gone. Confused Ref gets in and breaks up Owens beating up Sammy since Sammy was in the ropes. So that part makes sense. Mm -hmm. However, you count Mm -hmm. that motherfucker to five and out of there, guy. Yeah, I don't like when the ref goes in and physically pulls the wrestler off because that's not your role. No, you you just you you disqualify or you count. Right. And it's not as bad on this show, but in the future, it starts getting worse. Mm -hmm. One more time, Owens goes back in to start giving the business back to Sammy. Confused ref is back in there giving a stern talking to this time to Owens. And this is where kind of the silliness starts in. A trainer comes down to ringside to check on Sammy. Mm -hmm. While everyone is distracted, so I'm okay with this part right here, Owens goes in and gets Sammy in for a powerbomb. Owens picks up Sammy and does it again, goes for a pin, and somehow Sammy kicks out for a two. See,
0: this is where I was okay, because he nonchalantly pinned him. He just kind of had his hand stuck on him. And Sammy didn't kick out so much as roll over if he him correctly and you got a kick out then yeah i'm pissed off but the fact that he just kind of put his hands on his chest a little bit I, I think it was still a good spot. I think it falls back like earlier. This is something you can do instinctually. And since the hill is being too cocky in this situation, it, it
1: worked out. Another trainer is now down at ringside. And there's a great crowd shot of two ladies. They must have scoured the entire audience for, for this shot because they nailed it perfectly. They are showing massive concern for what's going on here. Yeah, they're so much, into this match. So much so that I think they're plants. But even if they are, damn good job production guys. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think they're plants. I don't think either. I think
0: think they've told such a good story. And you got to go off the buildup of Sammy that we've had over the past year, the whole redemption on the last show and everything.
1: They've got the fans to buy into this, and it's great. Trainers go in to check on Sammy, but Owens goes in for powerbomb number three and four. Confused ref confers with the trainers as Owens goes for the fifth powerbomb, but stops Owens and calls for the bell for stoppage.
0: I almost flipped out at this point. I have always hated, short of legitimate injuries, I have always hated in the past when a ref ends a match with a title belt on the line and just throws the match out. But then he awkwardly does go out and get the belt and present it to Kevin. So they did it what you should do, but it was still just really awkwardly timed and put together.
1: I don't necessarily agree with the finish of this, but at the same time, the crowd hated it, and yep. rightly so because Kevin Owens is a heel. Yeah. So we have a TKO at twenty two thirty four.
0: I don't know very many TKOs that have happened in wrestling. This is again, it's kind of like the the end to the women's <laughs> match for me. Sorry, sorry, I know of one. <laughs> What's one? Which one? Bar Gun Butterbean. Thirteen Fair seconds. Enough. <laughs> Fair enough. It's it's kind of like the women's match. I like that it's something different, but I don't think it was the right call for this match. You didn't give the fans what they wanted, which is fine. You can heal out on the fans. It just, it was a weird, it was, it was weird. Which, I mean, I guess technically is good because I wasn't expecting it.
1: While the NXT crowd is usually a great crowd, they weren't really ready for a full-on psychology match like this. No. This match wasn't a six-and-a-quarter star Meltzer match. No. And it requires a little bit of thinking to go into it. Yes. Owens did build this match throughout as a damn good heel, especially with his taunts. Yeah. Sammy, on his part, played the perfect baby face, especially with the overpowered bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can definitely tell that both of these wrestlers worked to put this match
0: together. They could have clued the ref in a little bit, but they both did exactly what they needed to do. They both did what they needed to do for this match to be a success. Good on
1: both of them. I wish the ending had not come off so awkward. So overall for the show, right? Mm -hmm. This was not your normal NXT special show. No. I personally believe that if you had taken this show and gotten up with Techno Team 2000 and put this in the Attitude Era, it would have <laughs> fit in perfectly. Because Attitude Era was known for having a shit undercard, but having a great upper card. And that right. was the show all the way. 100%.
0: With the exception of Breeze and Hideo, they opened the show well. It's just the middle
1: that's weird. I think the crowd was just expecting a standalone show and not the stories that were on display tonight. yeah. They cheered and approved more at the end of the corbin Chumley match than they did the main event. The boos were only for what they thought was a fuck finish. Yeah. Being that the attendance is about 400 roughly, I really hope that they scour the crowd and find that dickhead from earlier and ban him. Agreed. That being said, during the Ballard neville match, the crowd acted like a New Japan crowd, kind of halfway towards the end, which mm-hmm. is weird. Yeah. I really enjoyed Albert on commentary. He was a no-nonsense announcer and genuinely sounded vested in the show. It allowed for Graves and Brenham to carry the banter throughout the show. But Brenham can piss off with trying to ruin the main event.
0: Yeah, I think at the end, when Sammy's dying in the ring, Albert fell a little bit short. But he wasn't the only one. None of the announcers really had the emotion. You needed a Joey Styles or a Jim Ross for that match. Because an, oh my god, he killed him after the fifth powerbomb would have been a great call. But for the rest of it, I, I was an Albert fan. I found it amusing just knowing the little bit of backstage that I know that, you know, Albert works down at the PC, Graves has worked under him. Graves was a bit quieter on this one than he was on the last show. Was he maybe intimidated by the fact that, you know, his trainer's here and he didn't want to do a bad job? Brennan can suck a dick. He didn't add anything to the show. Well, I mean, he did mention the Mulkeys, but other than that, he did nothing for me. The women's match is good. It's worth checking out. Like I said, this is how you do a good four-way. Owens and Zayn is also worth checking out for psychology reasons.
1: Yeah, if you're wanting to become a wrestler or a manager or anything thing to do in wrestling period definitely check out the main event of this show because that is how a psychology match should be done 100 percent overall the show was really all over the place great highs with equally disappointing lows <laughs>
0: yeah it was always gonna probably fall a little short based off of how good the last show was but damn man get those tag teams out of there Chumley and corbin can straight leave overall eh. A very ass show, which is sad for me because I really like the women's match and I really like the main event.
1: This is definitely one of those shows where if you saw a standalone match out of it, like the main event or, (laughs) let's say, the Hideo match, right? Uh If you saw those by themselves, you would think that this was a great show. But based on the law of averages, eh. Yeah. So we now know
0: how you felt about the show, but it's time for the question. The question we've all tuned in for, Hill of the Night. Clearly, Kevin Owens. I'll give you that one. He murdered Sami Zayn, as he should, and worked the crowd as he should. That's my choice for Hill of the Night.
1: What's yours? Well, after watching the entirety of the show in one sitting, I'm going to have to go with Ric Flair on this one. God damn it, where were you, Flair? We needed you this show. (laughs) So this time, he's a hill for not showing up at all. So where do we go from here? Will Sami Zayn get his revenge on Kevin Owens? How long before another number one contendership match? What are the women? Where in the hell is Mojo? find out next time on the face for wrestling audio podcast like and subscribe to us on youtube soundcloud and itunes and drop us a line on the twatter at face the number four wrestling so that will wrap up another show for face for wrestling i'm the mac and i'm waldo here with dr brian and as always be sanitary